Today's episode of No Dunks is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, guys, little pop quiz. Do you think NBA tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? Hmm. I wonder. I'm not sure. Well, you can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, that's important, and you can buy it in two taps. Two taps? Two taps? That's right. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage like you're an NBA coach, and score some last minute tickets. What ad was that? Game, game Time! time. <laughs> Morning. Wake up and see the sunshine. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast. Continuing today with part two of our NBA season preview series on The Athletic. I'm Jay Skeets up here in Toronto alongside me in the satellite studio, a.k.a the airbnb it's the man making the magic happen jd how's it going eh there he is eh down in atlanta they're together don't you worry we got the homie tas Mellis. the shine is shining the weather is sweet <laughs> alongside him it's the bearded one trey kirby hey oh and of course last but not least the international man of mystery taking it to the max the aussie lee ellis friend lee lee all right guys make sure you check out part one of our NBA season preview series. It's up across all platforms, wherever you download and listen to podcasts, be it with The Athletic and their app, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Play. I mean, I'm, there's probably another 10 other ones. Podbean. On. Oh, My pod- favorite one I just found out about is Podbean. Oh. Check your beans. New beans for you. <laughs> We're always planting new <laughs> beans on Podbean, where we grow a classic every day. A little bit of water, a little bit of sunshine. Um, Put on your cans. <laughs> listen to the beans. <laughs> so shout out to everyone that downloaded and listened to our first podcast with The Athletic. Thank you for leaving those reviews, leaving those ratings. It helps us out in terms of uh, helping encourage other people to find the show. So that's great. Email us, guys. Keep them coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. We will, we will eventually be stepping on the beach and answering some of your questions that you guys are sending in, either through email or Twitter. So send them in. No dunks at theathletic.com. Follow us on social media at no dunks inc. Talking Twitter, talking Instagram, and you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash no dunks inc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. We're still there, Garth. All right, guys. The questions continue. The burning questions continue. First one's a good one because it's a tough one. Literally. Bang. (laughs) Guys, which team is the toughest team to predict as we head into this 1920 season? Uh, I'll kick us off here. It's got to be the Houston Rockets. I mean, what a crazy experiment they're going with down there in Houston. Russell Westbrook and James Harden back together again. Can this work? Will this work? Should this work? Will anyone really seed the ball to the other player to let him go one-on-one or will they just end up... Will will this end up in chaos and drama or will this be the crazy experiment that works in the long run? Because we know that they've both been in the situation where they get their teams to the playoffs, but playoff success has eluded each player and there's been question marks about their performance in the playoffs. 
as well. Now they're together. They're former teammates. They've been to the finals together, but that was a long time ago. So much has changed since then. Russell Westbrook obviously saw the writing on the wall there when Paul George said, hey, I want out of here. I'm going to the Clippers. Westbrook decided, as loyal as he has been to the Thunder, nah, this is not for me anymore. The Rockets wanted to move on from Chris Paul. It was a kind of perfect fit in that sense. (laughs) But really, will this team work on the court? And and also, not just what happens on the court. I mean, look at the situation with their coach, Mike D'Antoni. He... Was he's basically in lame duck status? Yeah. He tried to get a new contract. Uh, they sort of started talking and they pulled away. And then also they've had this crazy off-court drama this season with the Daryl Morey tweet. Yeah. So you figure that for the Rockets, this is going to be a season that things could really do, go haywire do you, for them. Do you think though a best case scenario and why you're picking them for tough team to predict? A best case scenario is this actually because of the talent they have in Harden Westbrook. They win a title, and like that's best case scenario. And worst case scenario is like it like blows up in their face, and they're struggling to make the playoffs. Is that why it's just like this wide range of where they could end and what their successful season is or not? That is that why? Because you could well, like, do you believe they could win a title? No, no, I don't think they can win a title. Um, I think they can cause trouble. I think they can probably win fifty five games because that's what. You know, James Harden has done the last couple of years there in Houston, but right. why can't they win a title then? No, nah, that's, nah, that's nah. why it's they, they, they why? can't because they don't have the Warriors. I don't think they get enough credit for playing the Warriors right. fairly tough. True. They yeah. took them to seven games, and I don't get why that this it's even a question whether or not Harden and Westbrook can work. Whether or not they can win a title, that's a fair question. Who the heck knows? But Harden worked with Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they got to a conference final. They played you know one of the best teams ever. They did all right. Those two worked together. Westbrook did work with Durant. They got to a final. Those two guys, they respect each other. I think, I think they'll be fine. Whether Westbrook is good at this point of his career, is if he's good enough, I think that's a fair question. But I don't think will they work is – I don't think that's even a question. There's a lot of weird things going on with that team, top to bottom. Ownership to – 10th, 11th man, Nene, can't play 10 <laughs> games without getting uh, an extra $2 million. Uh, there's lots of weird things happening in that. But I think, that, like you said, the top two, they could win 55 games. Why can't they go to the finals? Because both teams, when they get to the playoffs, they're, they're t- whatever works in the regular season tends to not work for them in the playoffs, particularly for Russell Westbrook. I mean, last year against the Blazers, the Blazers let him kind of beat himself up by just shooting mm-hmm. the ball as much as he did. And that, that's the worry about Russell Westbrook for me is, he can't adapt his game in a five-game series. Can he adapt his game to be more successful for the bigger picture overall throughout the course of the season? I don't think so. He's ready to rub it in your face, Lee. He <laughs> said, people said I was the most selfish player in the league, so I led the league in assists three times. Now they say I'm a bad three-point shooter. I'm going to be a good three-point mm. shooter. Are you doubting Russell Westbrook <laughs> to put the work in? I'm doubting his ability to shoot the three-pointer to, to rub it in my face. Um, look, if he, if he was to play in a way where he was to lead the league again in assists and really drop his scoring off, and that meant that other guys got more baskets and, you know, James Harden's going to want his then that could work in that role. It's just whether or not Russell Westbrook is able to actually adapt his game to say, I'm not a great shooter. He's great when he's cutting and slashing and going to the hoop. But if he's going to settle for jump shots and try to shoot three-pointers like he's Steph Curry, that's just playing in the hands of their opponents. And, and that, that to me is where West, Russell, Russell Westbrook... <laughs> nice. All right, first one of the season. Good, it's good. He, uh, he talks about it. It's another thing, though, if he can actually go out there and do it. Yeah, that's totally fair. I, I did... Like Russell Westbrook in the exit interviews when he said, I got to work on my shot, which is very strange for Russell Westbrook to take the humble approach. I don't know if that's going to 
translate on the floor. I have no idea. You could definitely see Russell Westbrook going into the postseason, not have a great percentage at the rim, not have a great percentage from the three-point line. Uh, but maybe he's willing to take a bit of a backseat by saying, I'm not the number one guy. I'm going to leave Oklahoma City uh, and not have, just try and do everything upon my shoulder, put everything upon my shoulders and try and win. Uh, maybe, 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 maybe it's a new rush. Like, the, the, the problem, to some degree. The Rockets issue is not going to be, in my opinion, like really the uh, who has the ball and can Westbrook be like the secondary ball handler and how and him Harden share that and score and all that. They're going to still be hands down one of the best offensive teams in the league. It's on the other side. Are they going to be able to stop anyone? And because they don't have, in my opinion, the deepest bench here going, they've got great you know, top-end talent, but will they be able to just get enough stops defensively to, to win some games, especially when you get into a playoff series? They have Harden and they have Westbrook. They're like, to me, they're, like, they're a lock still to be one of the best offenses in 2019-20. In it's whether well, they can do it. Depth is a big problem. Yeah, ex- exactly. Now they like like Chandler's there, Mclemore, Cephalosha. Um, you know, like okay, um, but <laughs> Ryan Anderson. Yeah, right. Yeah, oh, Ryan's back. Yeah, it's the classic Rockets move of we're just going to get a bunch of guys. Yep. Hopefully, a couple of them stick. Because right now, if you're going down to crunch time, you're probably playing Westbrook, Harden, and Eric Gordon. That's going to be tough to stop people. Yeah, if you got three guys that are about six foot four. As your perimeter defenders. That being said, Lee, I, I agree with you that they're going to be impossible to predict because we have no idea what they're going to look like on the court, what it's going to look like if Westbrook has so much space that he can attack the rim, if James Harden is willing to play off the ball and catch and shoot threes. Tass, I also agree with you. They're going to be good. Um, there were questions when Chris Paul came in, but at least Paul and Harden were similar players. They both like to run pick and roll, get their mismatch, dribble 50,000 times, and then get whatever is a good shot for them or somebody on their team. Mm-hmm. Westbrook and Harden have such diverse styles that it's just impossible to imagine what it's actually going to look like. You can imagine Westbrook grabbing the ball off the rim and getting fast break buckets. We haven't seen that from the Rockets since James Harden got there, basically. You can also see him just standing outside like the Thunder Days, waiting for somebody to pass him the ball. That would be a disaster. I tend to fall more on their going to be really, really good side because Mike D'Antoni can get incredible years out of a guy like Earl Clark. He got Earl Clark paid a massive deal. Westbrook is a lot better than Earl Clark. I imagine he will be ready to work playing next to James Harden. But I don't know. I was also shocked when I opened up uh, The Athletic. You know, if you wanted to subscribe, you could hit up theathletic.com slash no dunks. I heard there's 40% off if mm. you use that. You can read John Hollinger's playoff or John Hollinger's predictions, projections. He has the Rockets as the number one team in the Western Conference wow. wins-wise. I was kind of surprised by that, mm. considering the huge changes they have up top. You expect yeah. that Harden and Westbrook will be staggered after the uh, first quarter as well, that mm-hmm. D'Antoni will probably say, all right, like he did with Chris Paul, your turn, your turn type of uh, situation. And PJ Tucker, he sort of fits the system for the Rockets. So, again, agreeing that you guys, with you guys that they can score the ball. But when, you know, Tyson Chandler at this stage of his career is nowhere near the defensive player of the year that he was a few years ago. And really, they just don't have anyone else on that roster who you can sort of challenge guys. So the other teams going forward know that if you basically get past one of their loose perimeter defenders, you're going to go into the rim uncontested most of the time. Or you Clint can Capella is not, a, you know, he's well, good, yeah, fine. He's fine, yeah, he's fine. But he's not the same. He's not as intimidating as, you know, other, other teams have on their roster. No, and, I, and, I agree. Yeah, Capella, Capella didn't have a great season last season either. Yeah, but so. people were excited about him going into yeah, last they year. Were. And he definitely slacked a little, it felt yep. like, coming into the year. Yep. Rounded into yep. form. Yeah, the, the starting five is going to be good. You know, if they, if they let's call it the, the playoff starting five because they might not stay, start Eric Gordon in the regular season, but Harden, Westbrook, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, Clint Capella. 
Right. That's a good Fantastic thing. Fantastic stuff. And that's what the Rockets have done over the last couple of years. They only go six or seven deep anyway. Yeah. 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 And that's an issue. Yeah. You know, Austin Rivers, Ben McLemore. Denmo House. Daniel House, yeah. Tyson Chandler, Nene can only play nine games. That's the, the legal <laughs> limit for him, which he likes. I'm sure he loves that, and he's going to come out and play nine the postseason. perfect games. But, the, yeah, the, but there's just the weird question marks for me. I, like, this team's not going to implode, I don't think, but the whole D'Antoni situation, not giving him a real contract, ownership situation, the China situation. It feels like with D'Antoni, they're just waiting for a reason to fire him. Mm-hmm. Like, f- lose five in a row, okay, that's it. You're not coming back. Right, I mean, this is the window for the Rockets. It sure feels like you right? keep. Like, you guys have now done, done it twice here. Like you keep saying, the China situation. Like you truly believe that will have or could have some sort of impact on the team themselves because of what, like exhaustion being asked about it, and always that always being a topic. Like, what's wh- why is that carrying over to the locker room and to the team with what happened with the Mori tweet and, and China versus the NBA? It's just been such a big issue. It's had such a, a, a ripple effect on the rest of the league that it may affect even well, it happened the in the salary pre- cap. But it happened in the preseason, is what yeah, I'm saying. Those, I mean, that, yeah, that, if it's happened in the season, then sure, yeah, maybe it does. Because it was effect. so big, and, and the Rockets have got such a big presence in China that you know it could really affect people that we constantly bring it up and constantly reminding it. And, okay. You know, they, they have their Chinese, uh, Chinese jersey night and those sorts of things. So will they even still go yeah, ahead this okay, season? I okay. mean, we don't know. And just, you know, Daryl Morey, I mean, it, it could seriously affect his ability to do his job if he just knows he's under a lot of pressure now. And, and there'll be rumours and speculation about whether or not he'll get fired. So it's just... Yeah. It's, okay. it's a big, big player. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of question marks. That's a question. There's, yeah, there, the players will be questioned. P.J. Tucker will be questioned about his extension. He said he wanted more years. Everybody else got an extension. Why don't I? Mike D'Antoni. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want a contract. I'm a coach of the year. Uh, Daryl Morey's situation. Uh, yes, the, the, the commissioner came out and, and backed him to some degree. But, yeah, I think uh, James Harden was apologizing for the China situation. Um, oh, he's now recently know, just, said, like, yeah, I'm just straight up. I'm staying out of it is what he said. Right. About mm-hmm. the NBA China um, dispute, that was quote what he said. Um, a, lot, a lot of balls in the air. It just okay. feels no, like. I'm with, I am with you guys. Are there a tough team to and predict? And the depth. Yeah, and the depth. Yeah. yeah, who is going to contribute off the bench? That's a huge one. Can Capella sort of take his game to the next level? I think that's a possibility because he is still young, um, and that would be huge for the Rockets. And, and then you're right. I mean, just just the experiment of Westbrook and Harden. I mean, they're buddies. I get it. They go back a long way. They do seem to genuinely like each other. But what happens in, you know, a tight game where, you know, there it is a one, a two-point two game. Who is taking the shot? I mean, you got to assume it's Harden still, but... Oh, it's Harden. But yeah. you've seen it's, Russ it's Harden, but say, he's okay. no, 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 I'll, I'll get to my spot and take this jumper and clank it. See, I don't think Harden doesn't mind that. If we, we flash back to them losing against the Warriors last year when KD went down and they shouldn't have lost to the Warriors, the last seven minutes of the, of the final game there, he was passing. The entire t- generally passing, mm-hmm. and yeah. so he wants another guy to, to help him out. I think I think he's okay with it. Yeah. And that's why I don't see a big. Issue but that's the with problem is when he was choosing to pass at that time, because all season long he was like, "No, I'm shooting, I'm shooting, I'm shooting," <laughs> and then I was like, "Win the game, nah, someone else can do it." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's when Russell step up and say, "Hey, I'll shoot. It yeah. might not yeah. go yeah. in. Yeah, Russell might go in. I'm shooting it though." <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we all agree on the Rockets. They're very tough to predict. Is there another team in the mix uh, that anyone wants to uh, throw? Like, what about the Warriors? Are the Warriors a tough team to predict? Because, you know, they like, like I said in the, on the first one, like some people are like, oh, the Warriors won't even make the playoffs. Other people are like, are you kidding me? They still have Steph Curry. They still got Draymond Green. There's, you know, well-coached team. They know what they're doing. Yeah, they don't have a lot of depth either. Like, they're very, very shallow. But they'll still get it done. Like, do you throw them into the mix here? 
Or does everybody believe in the Warriors? We believe Warriors are back. I don't know how you doubt Steph in his prime with Draymond Green also in his prime. One of the best offense players, one of the best defensive yeah. players. I, I just struggle. I know they're thin. and the, the, They're the, thin. The wing defense is a big, big problem. Mm-hmm. They lost Andre Iguodala. They lose Clay Thompson. Sean Livingston. Majority of the year. Sean, Sean Livingston. And Kevin Durant. <laughs> you lost all your perimeter players and your perimeter defenders. And, and then Clay. Lot, lot and then points. Clay's not playing. Yeah, he's, yeah they're he's gonna, not. There's lots of points going to be on the board for the other team. But Steph's also going to shoot better than the other team. So, I, yeah. I, you know, I think they should win. They should win enough games. Um, but there's going to be a big, big round numbers. You mean, you think it'll make them enough? enough wins to make the playoffs. Yeah. I would I would agree with I that. Think, I, I think it's just the the biggest question for me with the Warriors is how long does it take Clay Thompson to get back? And then when he comes back, at what percentage is he playing? If he comes back and he's Clay immediately, you gotta respect the three no matter what. If he has one leg, you would respect the three. But if he's able to to put the ball on the floor a little, create some things for some other players on the Warriors because they're even more limited now, their support players than they were in the past. If he's able to do that, if Draymond is able to be the minus twenty three pounds Draymond that we saw the last two months of the season when he was just a maniac all over the court. That's huge for the Warriors. If D'Angelo Russell can thrive away from Brooklyn, he doesn't have a long track record of success anywhere. He had one great season yeah. with the Nets, became a, uh, became an all-star, but that's all in the Eastern Conference. We got to see everybody put things together. This is the first time they're going to have to play an entire season and have the entire season matter rather than just focusing on the playoffs. There are questions to be answered, but I would lean on Curry being such a transcendent force that he's going to answer a lot of those questions himself. He just needs his buddy Clay Thompson back to, to pick up the slack as well. Right. They're much more difficult to predict than they have been in the last couple of years because well, it was so sure. easy to predict what was going to go on with the Warriors. Like you said, they were going to mail it into their regular season and still win a ton of games and then and then go to the finals. No, so you're right. But about it, they've, got a, they've got a few guys as well that have sort of bounced around a little bit or have been prospects and not really worked out. Marquise Chris, obviously, you know, he's there now. He's a chance to – he's going to get a lot of chance to get some minutes there for, for Golden State. Alec Burks is there. Willie Cauley-Stein, he's probably going to miss this first bit of the season. But these guys have been high draft picks or have been given a contract where it's like teams have believed in them in the past – now they're at, that's almost at the crossroads of their career, particularly for someone like Marquise Chris, only his third season. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he was a high draft pick. Didn't work out with the Suns. Um, Number eight, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a real Rocket situation. Yeah. And Marquise Chris is a former Rocket. <laughs> like Glenn Robinson the third, former Another Detroit one, yeah. Piston. There's a lot of... Guys that uh, got tossed, and now they're there. Willie Cauley-Stein is, is another guy who's going to be playing center for them. You can see a nice little style between Steph and D'Angelo Russell with a pick and roll with him. And Kevon Looney as well. I, you know, there's. I think they have to change their style, mm-hmm. more on ball picks. But uh, because it's such a different scenario, I think it sort of fits. You know, the, they have to change, and they kind of have a couple. They got guys who could do it. Him and Stephen D'Angelo, primarily. You know, starting the offense. They said they've learned in camp. Hey, it's your turn. Hey, it's my turn to bring up the ball. <laughs> Whoever's closest to the ball when there's a rebound. You bring it up. Yeah. And so, uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be a pretty diverse attack. Uh, but it's a tough West. It's, it's totally true. Any other teams in the mix? Or are you guys really, really, truly focusing on the Rockets? Anyone else? Those are definitely the biggest question marks I have. Another one I would be a little just up in the air is what's going on with the Pacers? It's going to take a while to get Victor Oladipo back. And he is their offense to, for the most part. He is their most important offensive player. He gives them high variance. He's the only guy you're really scared of having the ball. They're going to be playing two big guys together a lot, Miles Turner and Amanis Sabonis. 
Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. As we saw over the summer with Team USA, Miles Turner, not the most natural playmaker. So if he's your number one option for the first two and a half months of the season, that could spell trouble for Mm -hmm. the Pacers. But they added Malcolm Brogdon will be a solid player for him, will help them get into their offense, and the right guys will be getting shots. Surely it'll be more of an everybody-eats scenario for the Pacers until Oladipo comes back. But they're going to be relying on TJ Warren on the wings. He's not a great outside shooter, had a good year last year, but he's more of a floater guy. So they got three guys in uh, T.J. Warren, Turner, and Sabonis, who thrive inside. That can be a recipe for disaster. And, you know, if Oladipo comes back whenever he comes back in January and he's hobbled trying to recover from his quad tendon injury, which would certainly be a a possibility, they could struggle. They could just never really find their rhythm until perhaps next season when Oladipo has had an entire year to heal and get an entire summer of training camp and getting ready, getting his body ready. I'm not... I'm not very high on the Pacers right now, just because there's a lot of unanswered questions. But Vegas sort of Vegas sort of is high on the Pacers. I, I'm glad you brought them up because they won 48 games last year. They got you know mm. bounced in the first round. They got swept by the Celtics. But th- I think they're over under like this season is around that mark again. Like that is a bit shocking. I'm I'm with you, Trey. And like like their identity was defense last year. Mm-hmm. They were the third best defensive rating in the league. Um, but they lost some pieces that helped for that. I mean, Thaddeus Young and, and even like Corey Joseph off the bench and stuff. Like, are they gonna be as? as oh yeah, Bogdanovich is gone. There's yeah, a lot yeah, of a lot of turnover for a Pacers team that it seems like. Oh, they got Oladipo, Turner, and Sabonis coming back. You think it's the same team, but a lot has changed. Yeah, yeah. So that's a. I, I'm that's with nice you under. on that one. I, that it under. seems like an under, but then I'm like, what am I missing here? Um, because it's I also Victor Oladipo's health for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's exactly right. They've got three TJs and a CJ on that roster. TJ Warren, TJ Leaf, TJ McConnell, CJ Wilcox. Wow. Imagine at practice. CJ. I mean, TJ. Which one? (laughs) No, not you, TJ. TJ. (laughs) Ah, yeah. What up? <laughs> oh, on that note, let's get. To- uh, let me let me let me uh, jump in with a little Pelican. toughest team to practice. Okay, you got another team. You got another team. Uh, yeah, the, the New Orleans Pelicans. Think about this starting lineup. Because it's sexy with Drew Holiday leading the way at point, Lonzo Ball playing beside him, Zion at the four, Derek Favors, who was miscast as a four in Utah, will be starting at the five, and then your fifth starter is either J.J. Redick or Brandon Ingram. Right. That's a heck of a starting five. Uh, and, and then your sixth man, plus Josh Hart coming off the bench, plus, plus Canadian Nikhil Alexander-Walker yep. coming off the bench, who looks great, Etwan Ward, Jaleel Okafor learned how to sleep this offseason. Apparently, he started... <laughs> He learned he had sleep apnea. He Things learned, are getting better. He learned for he had to lie down. <laughs> uh, I, I just think, you know, with a locker room can come together with great guys like Drew Holiday, JJ Redick, yeah. and Zion leading it. I'm already calling Zion a great locker room guy because he sure feels like he is. Uh, those guys can, could come together quickly and they could be really good. They could also fall apart and not be that great, um, depending on what you get from the former Lakers there. But. Uh, there's uh, there's so much talent mm. on that roster. Uh, I feel like they, they they could jump into the playoffs and not look back mm-hmm. um, right at the beginning of the season. Right. So tough to predict. And again, the sense of like, yeah, they could win. You know, thirty five, forty games, or or yeah. be closer to a fifty win team, like we were talking about when I was trying to make the case for uh, Zion for MVP at plus ten thousand. Sprinkle a little bit on that. No, I, I'm with <laughs> you on that too because they, they do look good on paper. They look like a deep team. Um, it looks like they could be a fun team to watch as well. But it is so, like you got to. It's one thing to again see it on paper and have it actually come to fruition there on the court. That's a good one. All right, let's get to the next question here. Switching conferences because we were really 
for the most part, outside of the Pacers, they're focusing on the West. Guys, who is the best team in the Eastern Conference? Who is it? It's a two-team race. That's it, eh? You're, okay, Pacers aren't in the a, mix. <laughs> you threw in an A in there. That's okay. fair. No Celtics, no, no I'm Raptors? Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry, Raptors. I'm sorry, Celtics. Okay. That's not going to happen. It's the Sixers or the Bucks. Okay. There's too much... There's too much talent on the Sixers team for them to be away from the top two spots. But no, and no one's going to score on them. Mm-hmm. No one. No one's going to score on a team that has Ben Simmons at the point and then Josh Richardson coming over from, from Miami. is ridiculously good. Al Horford and Joel Embiid at the back, and Tobias Harris is their quote-unquote weak link at, uh, in the starting five. Right. Who's going to score on that team? Uh, that's why I sort of – I lean Sixers talent-wise uh, – that is going to be really tough on that end. But on the other end, they don't have a lot of shooting around Embiid. And I'm okay with that. I think they'll figure it out. Uh, Josh Richardson's going from like a one in Miami mm-hmm. to like a three or four. He'll figure it out. Al Horford always figures it out. Ben Simmons, I think it, it, this is a good thing that Jimmy Butler left in that there's some pressure on him. There's more pressure on Joel Embiid, which I like. The ball's going to go to him in fourth quarters. Um, I don't know how you bet against the Bucks, but uh, the talent is But you just, are. Overwhelming. Yeah, I, I think I am. I, I, I think I am because I think that this team was always going to be was always going to go wherever Joel Embiid led them, and I think he knows after the way the f- season finished, the crying after that second round series loss to the NBA champion Toronto Raptors by one four bounce shot. They <laughs> they could have been the team that went there, and now Joel, Joel Embiid knows. I think he learned a lot, um, you know, through that series and through the offseason. So I'm picking him to uh, to up Giannis, who uh, obviously learned some things too. But I don't know. I think I think it'll it'll be those two, and and otherwise, nothing. Mm. Probably. I think there'll be a bit of a drop. off You think there'll be a yeah? I was gonna say a drastic sort of drop off from the Bucks yeah. Sixers to the to the to teams the, three, four, five. Yeah, to the family of Nets, Raps, Heat, Celtics, and Pacers if they. Do well. Okay. So you okay? You got the Sixers. What, what yeah, the rest I'm also of the guys say down the there? Sixers. The size is crazy. The fact that Josh Richardson is their smallest player in their starting lineup. He's six six and a solid defender. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive. You say they don't have shooting around him, but I saw Ben Simmons hit a three in the preseason. <laughs> the guy looks lights out already. So I think that's reliable. You can count on that. Uh, but it will require some some big games from Tobias Harris. I think he's going to be the guy, like you're saying. He's sort of the weak link. You know, he was nearly an all-star with the Clippers last season. He's kind of been knocking on the door of being an all-star. If they're going to get shooting from their perimeter guys, he's going to get a lot of open shots, as will Josh Richardson. But I think uh, Harris has more of a rep of being the guy that really needs to knock him down. Uh, the, The Sixers got to 51 wins last year, and that was with Embiid playing just 64 games. They had two overhauls of their team. There was a lot, a lot happening yeah. with the Sixers last year. There will still be a lot happening this year, I imagine, because like, like we're saying, there's not a ton of depth. There's a lot of unproven guys coming off the bench. Mike Scott is your most reliable guy, and he was fighting with Philadelphia fans <laughs> at a football game over the year, uh, over the summer. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks do have a better record throughout yeah. the season. They seem to have guys who might be a little bit uh, sturdier. Throughout the year, but uh, if it comes down to who I would take in a series, I would probably roll with the Sixers. I'll take the Bucks. I, I think the Bucks are still a better team than Philadelphia. There are some moving parts that have to come together, and no, no doubt, I love the the defensive improvements. I love Al Horford on that team. I think that's just exactly what Philadelphia needs. Um, that guy who can just keep things calm. But I do wonder a little bit about the spacing mm-hmm. still. 
Ben Simmons and, and you know, yes, he's now a three-point shooter, but the problem is though still, you know, with him and Embiid, they do get in each other's way a little mm-hmm. bit and that, that can be a problem there. And look, Milwaukee... They lost Brogdon. They're going to miss him. He was very, very important for them. It was a very steady hand late in games for them. They also lost Miritich. You know, he didn't work out all that well. Down, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Tony Snell, they'll miss him a little bit. He was a pretty handy guy who didn't need to, the ball in his hands all that much, but he would defend well. <laughs> he was okay. But listen, they get Robin Lopez, Wesley Matthews, Kyle Korver on that team. Wesley Matthews and Korver are exactly the sort of guys I think that can hurt a Philadelphia team because they can spread the floor so much, yeah. which then allows Giannis to go and do his business inside. So, um, you know, I, I think that bud ball that we saw last year, we saw that down here in Atlanta when he was with the Hawks. It works. It works in the regular season. It worked up until uh, Nick Nurse switched Kawhi Leonard onto Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals as well. The, the Bucks were great up until that point. Yeah. Um, I, I expect Giannis to be better than he was last season. I expect him to shoot a little bit better, not necessarily from three, but just all around. And I think from what happened with the Bucks last season, being 2-0 up and then losing that series, and then Giannis also talked about not having fun at the uh, World Cup. He's motivated. He wants to get back to that point. And so I think that you're going to see the Bucks certainly not take a drop-off from where they were last season. And with Philadelphia, you know, Tobias Harris, I'm not a big fan. I don't think they needed to paint $180 million. I think that's too much for him because he's a good player. You talk about him being on the fringe for an all-star, but there's a reason why he keeps on bouncing around teams as well. He just he just doesn't deliver for them. He doesn't play the role that I think they need him to do. So I'm rolling with the Bucks, but uh, I'm excited for Philadelphia. Again, I think Al Horford was a very, very important signing for them. I think he could be the one that just keeps them from from uh, you know falling apart a little bit as um, as maybe that happened for them in the playoffs last season. Yeah, You're they, not worried about having two Lopez's in the same <laughs> locker room? I think that'd be funny. I think it'd be great. What if they make everybody choose between Marvel and DC mm, and just completely well. destroy <laughs> the chemistry they had last year? Uh, yeah, I mean... How you, dare you go on the dark side? <laughs> That's the thing. I think Robin, Robin knows that... Uh, you know, they're basically different players. Robin can't shoot the three and Brooke doesn't like going inside anymore. So, mm. you know, you're going to see a little bit of both of them out of the court at once, uh, maybe. Oh, man. If they play them together, <laughs> yeah. that'd be great. Them and Giannis at yeah. the three, four, five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope we see that. I, I, I'm very high on the Sixers as well, especially you guys talking about how great their defense should be just because it's gigantic. Um, and, like, how do you score on some of these guys? Because Embiid and Horford are both amazing defenders. And then and that's not without even talking about Josh Richardson and even Simmons out there. But no team in the NBA, in my opinion, has to start stronger than the Sixers. Like, right out of the gate. Because, you know, you, you, Tobias Harris, the 180 you said there five for five years. Simmons got the max extension. Five years, mm. $170 million. You know, they inked Horford to the big deal. Like, if they start slowly, you know people are going to be, again, they're going to bring up two things. Probably the Harris, oh my God, they overpaid for him. Now they're screwed with, they're screwed with him there. And the idea of, like, oh, Simmons and Embiid can't work. And you've got to look to move one of them because they can't work. So I, I, like, I don't think that is true. But if they start slowly, you know those are going to be the storylines that you're going to see and sort of hanging around them. But well, throw Brett Brown being the coach oh, uh, yes, as well. I yes. think that's another thing. Is yes. people people were fast to put him on the hot seat last season, but now with all of these huge money contracts and with LeBron gone from the Eastern Conference, with Kawhi gone from the Eastern Conference, it's ECF or bust for the Sixers. Yeah. And if it's bust, then see you, Brett. Yeah, no, that's right. But like the Bucks, see you, Brett. You added the guys; they're key additions. It's like my favorite part with the Bucks is they they added one of 
one of your favorite players each, guys. Robin Lopez. Yeah. Robin <laughs> Lopez for Trey. Okay. <laughs> Wesley Matthews for Tass. Ta- mm. Tassie, you love Wesley yeah. Matthews. Lee, Kyle Corver, your guy. Yep. I mean, like, Perfect. this is why I, I am going to stick with the Bucks. And I'm a big Malcolm Brogdon fan. He's he's a great, he's one of those guys that you just want on your team, you know, classic cliche, because he's that sort of utility man. And we saw what he did in the playoffs. He was actually at times like the Bucks maybe second best player. Um, at times, I think he was playing better than Chris Middleton uh, mm-hmm. at, at some points in the playoffs. But I also think his loss is being a little over-exaggerated. He's good. He's good. But... No, hopefully they 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 can make up a little bit of that with the shooting of Corver and Wesley Matthews giving them a, a sort of a, a poor man's version of Brogdon just because he's older. Um, I think they're going to be fine. I think Giannis does go to the next level. This makes sense that you guys are going Sixers because you were taking Embiid for MVP. I was sticking with Giannis for MVP. So it does really it, it, that makes like whoever you think is going to be the best team in the East is it's it's possible they have the MVP on their squad. Um, but I, I like the Bucks just because they're a lead on both sides, too. They're they're a great offensive team mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Bud Ball. They were a top-five team offensive rating, and they were the best defense, you know, better than the Jazz, which is pretty amazing. Um, so if they can continue to be great on both sides, then they're going to win a ton of games. Uh, it's, it's just as simple as that. And the and the Sixers got a, they got a lot of ground to make up. They, they lost nine less games last year. It's a pretty significant difference. So it, it is. And, and there's definitely a situation, like, like Trey mentioned earlier, that the Sixers could not find themselves until maybe you know February, March, April. The Bucks have more wins, and then they have a great series in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's sort of like last year. A lot of people were predicting, maybe, you know, the Celtics may not find themselves until later on in the year. The Raps are going to be great; they'll probably be the one seed, and the Celtics just didn't, you know, didn't come through. Yeah, um, yeah. The Sixers, I just feel like, have so much talent. We know who they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. We mentioned their five starters. Last year, the Bucks just couldn't find who they were going to start uh, or who they were going to end with, I, I should say, in those Eastern Conference Finals. Like Giannis and Middleton were out there with Brooke Lopez, Brogdon, who's gone, and maybe a George Hill or a Miritich or something like that. You, Brogdon, Brogdon gone, it's going to be Giannis, Middleton, and Brooke, and who else? Wesley Matthews may not be his former self. No. Uh, George Hill might be out there again. Uh, yeah. They re, they, yeah, they re-signed George Hill, so they, they're pretty confident with him. Yeah, I, but I think, yeah, I think and he's Matthews are the same. Offensively, great, but defensively, they can get exposed. Yeah, and it's going to be one of them. You know, Corver, I think you yeah. want out there because he's going to draw a defender. Um, but they had some late-game late, late game questions, and, and I think it all comes down to Giannis, whether or not he's going to figure out, like Trey put it in the offseason, that skyhook. If he finds that skyhook... It's over. It's over. <laughs> it's over if he has <laughs> it a really feels. It really feels like that. I mean, it was Kawhi kind of shutting him down within four feet of the rim and him just being like a little reluctant to mm-hmm. just toss it over him, to have a shot, to have a go-to move. And uh, that's, that's what it's going to come down to. That should be a great series if it happens. All right. Let's keep it moving here. Next question. Back to the awards. All right. Who wins most improved player? MIP, my favorite award. Who do you got? I, Make the case. I look at the last five winners. Siakam, Oladipo, Giannis, CJ McCollum, Jimmy Butler. These are all guys who had a tiny rep, and then in one season, they exploded yep. and became the star of their team, or at the very least, the second star. So you got to find a guy who is sort of in the same situation. That, for me, is Jamal Murray. People care about the Nuggets now. He was good last season, 18-4-5. If he gets into the 20 points per game, adds another couple of assists... I think people could start looking at him as 
the second all-star on the Nuggets. You know, maybe Nikola Jokic gets some MVP votes, but maybe the Nuggets have a great season and Murray is having the best year of his career. And they say, well, I don't know if I can give Nikola Jokic my MVP vote, but I could certainly give Jamal Murray my MIP vote. That's almost the same thing. They're, they will work in tandem together to get each other votes. I'm high on Jamal Murray. I, I can see him being trade bait for Brad Beal. I think Beal is still better. But, I, I mean, why would the Nuggets want to give up on Murray now? Yeah. The guy is trending upwards. They invested in him, and he's been there developing chemistry with Jokic for such a long time. Uh, I'm definitely high on the Maple Man. So you're looking at, like, Jamal Murray, Kitchener's finest Jamal Murray, um, mm-hmm. going to almost a borderline all-star sort of level. Uh, yeah, at if, least knocking on the door. Yeah, like Siakam. I mean, uh, exactly. l- last season. Yeah, that's a that's a good pick. And he'd be what? That'd be year three, right? Mm-hmm. For Jamal Murray. So yeah, okay, mm-hmm. that's a good one. I don't mind that. I, like you know me, I, I say that that year three. I wanted to clarify because I hate the second year. I can't this stand year it. Like, four. Year four. Oh, that'd be year four. It's even better. Okay. Um, I can't stand like the idea of. Everybody knows this if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time that I find the MIP award very weird as it is. But people that make the case like from the rookie to the second year, mm. and like, oh yeah, well he got amazing. He was a, he was a pretty good rookie. Now he's great. And so, like, yeah, that's what should happen. That's what always happens. Well, let me give you my picks. Oh uh, no, who are you going? Shay Gildress <laughs> Alexander. <laughs> Maybe it's because Trey just gave us a Canadian. I'm looking at a Canadian flag right now here in my basement. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take Shay because it, uh, he's a guy who yeah. didn't have much of a rep. He, like he he didn't he just kind of floated under the radar a little bit in Los Angeles. He was getting some pub. He was people were a like pub. Yeah, pleasant surprise pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he can he can jump up and second he can jump up from his eleven points. There could be a huge Siakam like uh, increase in yeah. those numbers, yeah. especially if Chris Paul gets traded when he gets traded from Oklahoma. Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to run the show there. There's just so much talk about him being a great leader, and if he gets the reins on that team, which I, I do think he will get. Uh, at some point this season. Uh, his numbers are going to go up big time. It is odd to give it to a second-year guy. doesn't really make a lot of sense. doesn't happen very often. Only right. twice in the last like 20 years yeah. has it happened. Monte Ellis mm. and uh, Gilbert Arenas. So it's, it's been a while. Um, but I love that guy. I just okay. love him. It's more of a, it's more of a, a love infatuation thing <laughs> it's more of a Canadian <laughs> shout-out thing, I guess, as well. Yeah, okay, so we got a couple Canadians. Lee, where are you going? Dwight, um, Dwight Powell? No, no, I'm going with uh, an American boy, uh, Lonzo. I, I think it could oh, be Lonzo. Oh, that's an interesting I think, I think, one. Yeah, I think he's in a great position there in New Orleans because he's away from the craziness and the expectations of being the number two pick in LA. It wasn't a great situation for him. Most importantly, though, I've from the preseason games I've seen already, he's developed some pretty good chemistry with Zion. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. He's going to be running a lot of pick and rolls with him, throwing him oops, throwing him lobs. And I think... This could really help him out now where, he, where the expectations, while there are some, they're certainly not the same as they were in Los Angeles. But also, he has improved the looks of his jump shot so much. Whether or not that will necessarily translate to a high percentage, but he's already doing these wild step backs in the preseason. He's showing so much mm. confidence in his ability. So if he can bump his numbers up to somewhere reasonable, you know, maybe 16, 17 a game, eight or nine assists a game on reasonable percentages, I think that's really going to stand out, particularly if the Pelicans... Do, do really well. You know, if they're hovering yep. around 500, he's going to have a lot of that. Drew Holiday's obviously there as well to help him. So it's not like uh, a situation where he's going to have all the uh, point guard defenses on him alone. He's going to have time off the ball and then he's going to have time on the ball. And also, technically, this is a contract year for Lonzo. Not in the sense that next year he's a free agent, but next season he can sign that rookie scale extension contract. So if he performs really well this season, next summer... 
the Pelicans have that option to sign him to that, uh, you know, the, his second contract there. So he wants to perform. Obviously, he, they don't have to. They still have him for another two seasons, this season and next season. But, of course, players all want to get that big bump of payday before they hit uh, restricted free agency. And, you know, look, I think the Pelicans look at him as potentially a guy who could be there for a long time with Zion building. He's still young, growing together. And, uh, and again, from what I've seen in the preseason early, he looks confident. He looks just he looks a better player. You like the new jumper? I do like the new jumper. smoother? Watching that in person, again, like the fact that it just goes straight up and down, he doesn't pull it across his body, which yeah. was just awful. So they've already made significant progress in how it looks. Again, he's got to go out there and perform. He's got to hit these threes. Uh, and, and basically, any you know, he's got to be able to hit jump shots. But we know he's already a good defender. He can rebound. He's got that sort of Jason Kidd sort of style of, off, uh, of point guard. So he's got the tools there. He ain't afraid to throw a lob to Zion Williamson no, no, either. And that's that's that what I mean. You know, and, he's, and he's familiar already with Brandon Ingram and with Josh Hart. So he's played with a couple of guys there. Uh, I think it's a good situation for him. And we can really sort of see what type of player he might be. It's a good pick. And he's, and he's standing up to dad. That's right. We That's talked we about talked in episode about one. Yeah. yeah, he's a great player. He just has to find that confidence, and the fact that he's stepping up to dad is a great sign. Well, mm. well, for someone that hates this award, um, I've got a couple answers. So it's uh, sort of ironic <laughs> um, for the most improved. I got, okay, I've got. I sort of have a Homer weird pick here, and I tweeted this out earlier in the summer, but it, it's not that far fetched. I don't think that Pascal Siakam could actually win this back to back. I know that sounds insane. <laughs> it's never been done before. Um, but if, like, hear me out, if he took his game to another level, which a lot of Raptors fans, of course, and probably Masai Ujiri and Nick Nurse and that, that organization is hoping happens, he takes it to another level, sort of becomes a star like I, I don't know if he has it in him, we'll find out, but if he does, say averages 23, 24 points per game, let's say he makes the all-star game, he makes all NBA honors, or he's in the mix there, keeps the Raptors in a, like a in like a home court advantage sort of playoff hunt, you know, sort of surprising people, maybe they're the third, fourth best team, maybe even better than that. You could see a case for him like winning back to back because he won it, of course. He, he came sort of out of nowhere to scoring like 16 points per game. Well, if he does that jump again and again keeps the Raptors relevant, there's a weird case to be made. I, I think it's in play because like you, like you took us through there, Trey, you were saying like these guys sort of were like, you know, came sort of out of nowhere to become star players like all-star players mm-hmm. or leaders on their team or at least the second or a second guy in pascal's case last year so i think it's in play that's not going to happen though because it's just so <laughs> weird my real pick yeah. i'm going to go with magic power forward jonathan isaac because i think when you compare isaac to siakam in their second year seasons and you check out their stats and isaac only played 64 games or he played in 64 games and and played more minutes than siakam back in his second year but their numbers were pretty similar so if they can, the Magic can get Isaac sort of to blossom into what Siakam did in his third year, where he became like Siakam became borderline All Star player. I don't see why Isaac couldn't do the same. And if the and if the Magic continue to build on like that late run last year, and they're just a little more prevalent, and people are thinking about them and watching their games and seeing him, I think it's um it's in play for Jonathan Isaac. But my That's final. Good. Final wild card pick. Oh. Yeah, I got oh, one more. Yeah, I told you. I told wow. you. First runner up. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Wild card pick, and it's going to include a little trivia here. So mm. get ready. My wild card pick. It's it's a little out of left field, but Pacers forward, new Pacers forward, TJ Warren. You guys were talking about him when we were talking about the Pacers. Someone is going to have to score on that team, and that is what TJ can do, mm-hmm. man. And he now his thing is he never plays in more than like sixty five games, but when he does play, and maybe this is one of these rare seasons where he he plays in eighty games. 
he averages, he's averaged like 19 points per game over the last two seasons. Over the last two seasons. Like, the guy scores. Just turned 26. He's in his sixth year. He's finally on a team that he actually might win some games. He's, he's out of Phoenix. And on the Pacers, you know, we're a little confused of how good they're, they'll be because we're talking about they're tough to predict. But he's, you know, he's going to get a little more eyeballs. I could see him, if he scores in the in the 20s or like low 20s, um, or even more maybe just having to be the guy until Oladipo comes back, I think there could be some votes there for him. And the reason the trivia part of this is yeah, Pacers. We're waiting for. So we got to name all the TJs. Well, uh, no, no. Oh. Pacers win of this war. Pacers win yeah. the most improved award a lot. Can you name the last five guys, or the five guys I should say to win this award as Pacers? Yeah. Jermaine O'Neal, Jalen Rose. Okay, J- Jalen Rose, Danny Granger. You just named four of them, guys. Okay, let me. Ooh. Jalen Rose, no. Jermaine Smits. O'Neal. Hold on, Lee. Jalen no, Rose. Can't wait. I know, he's just blowing his wad. Like Rick, Smith, Rick Smith. Rick Smith. Rick Smith. Jalen Jay. Rose in 99 2000. Jermaine O'Neill, 0102. Danny Granger in 0809. Oladipo, you said, 1718. You're missing one. You're actually missing one that I thought you maybe would have got first. Roy Hibbert? Nope. Paul George. Paul George. So, man, wow. Pacers win this award, man. Yeah. Pacers it's win a good this argument. Award. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm already pissed, by the way. I can see it now. People are going to start going Markel Fultz for most improved. Oh, yeah. yeah you, he could have won it last Oh, I can, oh I'm already <laughs> angry when I uh, just This is going to be it. his third year. Is that right? In yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, he could have definitely won it last year. Yeah, yeah. He just improved a little bit more. Yeah, just uh, little. Jonathan Isaac is a great one because he's coming out. Of, for some people, he's coming out of nowhere, and he is yeah. definitely going to be good. The thing was, Pascal Siakam kind of came out of nowhere for some people, and now he's going to be the number one option on a team. Oh, yeah, that's the That's tough. the problem, yeah. right? I think that's the toughest thing to do in the NBA, to like go f- – to the level they now want Siakam to go to, right? Like, well, yeah. it's like one thing to be the guy, and look, he was great in the playoffs at times, no doubt, but it's it's just so much easier to be a guy that like, all right, I'll give you like 16 and 8, and I'll have really good games every once in a while, and then maybe, you know, I'm sort of like, I'm not heard of as much from for the next couple of weeks. Like, to do that, but then to do the every single night when people are game planning for you to be the guy that makes sure... You're chipping in 23, 24 points, 10 boards, you know, giving it on both ends. That is, that's the next level. That's the, those are the superstar guys, really. Well, well, Giannis went from not being the MVP to being MVP when he was six uh, most improved the year before, and he got four votes in most improved last season. Okay. See what I'm saying? Okay. So, I see what you're Pascal, saying? I think so. Pas- yeah. Pascal would have to win MVP, and even then he might only get four votes. Oh, okay, okay. Well, actually, MVP is next year. This year he's supposed to add another 10 points scoring average. That'll oh, take right. him to 26. The next year after that, another 10 <laughs> yeah. points, 36. Yeah. Then he's an MVP. Okay. I, I thought when you went to the Raptor, you were going to go with OG Ananobi. No, no, no. We'll see. He's we'll the see. hot pick because he fits the Pascal mold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Like, oh, another Pascal year three to year yeah. four. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, um, well, that, that's a couple questions in here for part two. I wanted to take a quick, uh, a quick like, I guess we can call it like an intermission break um, before we get okay. to some more questions uh, because I thought it would be fun. Oh, yeah, we got, we, got, we got some tunes here. Okay, that's perfect. I thought it would be fun as we ramp up this new No Dunks podcast to find out what the heck everybody was doing during the summer because we've been off for a, we were off for a very long time. We were obviously trying to find a job. And we did. So shout outs to us. <laughs> yeah, big shout out to us. <laughs> shout outs to our agents too. Um, but it's like, I don't know, we didn't see each other for a good chunk of time and we were off earlier because we didn't do summer league and all that. So Lee, I thought we could start with you today and maybe we could do this throughout the rest of the week for each guy. But like, do you have a good 
Do you have a good summer story that you want to share? Something you learned during the summer? And I know we were podcasting as the free agents and we got your, you know, you went to Australia and all that. But yeah. anything, anything else happened since then? You've just been traveling the globe. Yeah, no, I had a great summer, actually. Uh, we went to, uh, my wife and our two boys went to London just after the Raptors won the championship. Um, now, we had a lot of time off, but my wife didn't. <laughs> but... Um, what happened was we were supposed to arrive in London on the Saturday morning, the first Saturday, but Bon Jovi were playing at Wembley on the Friday night. Okay. <laughs> so myself and my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, we colluded to uh, to try to convince my wife to come over a couple of days early so we'd be there just in time for Bon Jovi. But I couldn't tell her that because she'd be like, no, nah, you've seen Bon Jovi, you don't need to go and see him. <laughs> but instead, uh, my wife, uh, my, my sister-in-law and I, we managed to get these airfares a little bit earlier. So we went over on the... Uh, Wednesday overnight, arrived Thursday morning, had the Thursday in London, then the Friday night went to Bon Jovi at Wembley. It was the most perfect night you could possibly imagine. (laughs) Just the weather was perfect. There was probably 95,000 people there. It was packed. I know, packed, packed. But I want to talk about one person who was there in particular. Bon Jovi. No, not John. Oh, he was oh, great. He oh, was brilliant. Not he always John. Is. <laughs> not my friend John. But we turned up at, uh, at, at right on eight o'clock, and so I think the first song they played was "This House Is Not For Sale." That's the tour. So I think it was that. So I turned up there with my brother, my sister-in-law, and my brother-in-law, and uh, towards the end of the very first song, I get the tap on the shoulder. Uh, excuse me, mate. Can you please sit down so we can all see? Ooh. Oh no. I just I'm like. <laughs> I turn around. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I said, we're at, we're, we're at, it's Bon Jovi at Wembley, man. It's just like summer. What are you, you know, and I'm not a confrontational person, but this guy, I'm like, you got to be kidding. Second, like first song of the night. Anyway, so I just, I ignored him. I turned around and uh, John Bon Jovi, he must have known what was going on. Because he said... He launched right into It's My Life. Not now or never. He said, all right, this is one of our best songs, our favourite songs. Everybody out of your seat. Get up on your feet. I turn around. Yeah, my... Shot through the heart And you're too blame. You're and then, pointing at the guy behind uh, you yeah. No, I was pointing at John at this stage I was oh, like, okay. this guy, I forget about him But I just let him know Like, yeah, man John wants everyone up You get up and you dance If you don't like it, get out No, 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 Lee, Lee It would have been badass if like after Bon Jovi's like Yeah, everybody stand up, let's go That you turned around and you told that guy No, 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 <laughs> not you You sit yeah, down yeah, No, you yeah, sit right. down You just yeah. have a seat there and, and enjoy the show Ah, uh, oh, yeah, but it, it was uh, it was great. And this guy, a couple of other times, I sort of turned around throughout the concert, sitting down. Isn't it? I mean, oh, like, he was sitting down. Yeah, a couple of times, like he got up, he reluctantly got up, you know, because he didn't want to. He was too stubborn to show that he's enjoying himself. <laughs> but I'm just like, why would you come to this yeah. gig, you know, and sit down and then ask other people to sit down and be boring like you? Maybe his wife dragged him across the world to come to Bon Jovi on a Friday night. Well, even more so if she did that, to stand up and enjoy yourself. You're there now. You may as well have fun. It was just crazy. Uh, but I have to say, uh, Bon Jovi in concert. Yeah, here it goes. So. It's, it's honestly one of the greatest experiences you can you can have. Because, oh, my because God. Relax. I'm telling you, man. No, relax. Hey, relax. I'm Hold on, you, relax. Hey, one of the greatest yeah. experiences. You've got to go and... You know I talk about Anthony Kiedis and the Red Hot Chili Peppers with no crowd <laughs> participation. John Bon is non-stop. John Bon. Chicken John Bon, chicken John Bon. All night long. He's talking back and forth. He's getting the crowd going. He's playing some of the classics. Uh, it was just a brilliant night, except for Wembley Stadium. 
one of the most iconic venues in the world. Yeah. Yes? No. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yes, of, yeah, course. of course. Uh, Budweiser was what they were selling. Budweiser. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Show some respect, Wembley. England have got some of the greatest beers in the world, and you're selling pig swill. <laughs> They got, like they got an American act there. They got an American act. Yeah, Wind but up American it, fans. It, that, the problem is, it's like the worst beer you can possibly. Sell. Lee, Lee Ellis won't even drink a free Budweiser, let alone one no. you have to pay for at Wembley. Because no. I was with you, Lee, here during the summer watching the yeah. AFL Grand Final. We're at a little watch party. They had free Budweiser, and Lee Ellis, he wouldn't even. He was. <laughs> he wouldn't. You tried. You tried yeah. to drink it. You took one sip and then we're back to drinking your ah. apple cider that you were drinking. <laughs> Kombucha. No, no, that, yeah, was a, co- that was the blue moon oh. as well. I had the uh, with the cider vinegar. So yeah, yeah. you really dislike the bud. Yeah. No, I just can't. I, I mean, look, you just can't drink it. It's just not real beer. It's just crap. Um, but it didn't. It didn't Relax. really. Uh, I know this guy. No, it is. It's crap. It's crap beer. Um, <laughs> but fortunately, John Bon and the crew. <laughs> Made John me forget Bond about that. Jobbies, yeah. uh, and we just had a, we just had a great night. He uh, he ended with living on a prayer. I mean, everyone's no one left the arena. Everyone was there until the end, and it was just uh, a fantastic, the most perfect night. It was the longest night of the year too. I think the uh, summer. Uh, <laughs> it, does, it doesn't sound like that perfect of a night. You were yelling at a guy behind you, uh, couldn't drink well, the beer. <laughs> no, it was yeah. I mean, look, I sucked down two beers because I had to. I mean, I had no other choice. <laughs> But the, the guy behind me, I enjoyed him being so grumpy and miserable because I was like, God, imagine being that dude, you know? Like someone says, hey, we've got Bon Jovi tickets at Wembley. Oh, awesome, man. Hope you everybody's get, sitting. Yeah. I hope everyone's sitting down as if we're watching like the ballet or something, you know? And then John Bon's I jumping and bouncing. <laughs> John Bon's up there all night long, j- jumping and dancing, giving all the energy he's got. And uh, it was just fantastic. And then the next night, Billy Joel at Wembley Stadium. Oh, Two oh BJs in a row. Oh Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Billy Joel at Wembley. Probably not 95,000 there that night. Though. No. Probably only 80,000, 85,000, but uh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Count. Everybody standing Doing a though. head count. <laughs> yeah, everybody. So, uh, there was a few more lulls in the Billy Joel concert, but, uh, <laughs> you know, fantastic. Hey, here's a quick trivia for you. How many guys. buds did you suck back from nah, Billy Joel? <laughs> I, I, had to go, I had to go by myself to Billy, so... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you have one or two. You can't sort of stand there with no beer in your hand. You know, you got to have something. <laughs> but here, I've got some quick trivia for you guys. Okay. Guess what? Guess what his final song of the night was? I'll give you a couple. Of, <laughs> I'll give you give you a couple of <laughs> options. We didn't start the fire. Okay, that'd be um, okay. It's still rock and roll to me. Oh. Uh, you may be right. Um, or uh, <laughs> piano man. Piano man. Yeah. I mean, How my th- guess would be piano man. I'm yeah, gonna go. I have uh, to agree. Uh, what was the uh, second one you said, Lee? Uh, we didn't start the fire, or um, still, still rock and roll to me. Yeah, I or, know that one. JD, I'm going. Uh, didn't start the fire. <laughs> yeah, you may be right. Was his last song of the night? Crazy. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you may be right. I may be crazy. Oh yeah, okay, that's But it beautiful. just may be a lunatic you're looking for. It's actually a great song to end with. It's just unexpected. It's I would have, I would have gone with "We Didn't Start the Fire." Myself Was this the us. end of the set or the encore? <laughs> no, the end of the encore. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Didn't you yeah. just see Billy Joel like six months prior? Or no, even last year. No, though. Elton. I've seen Elton. I saw mm. Billy. No, I haven't seen Billy. I saw Billy and Elton because I remember yeah. the BJ talk, but maybe I'm. <laughs> Was it, was it Maybe JBJ? it was a prelu- uh, preview yeah. He was going to yeah. I don't know My We God. did get an email over the summer Lee, You mentioned you went to London This is an email from Lucas Rusher Who says Hey gang 
I was listening to another podcast, and one of the guys was talking about a passenger next to him on a flight to London. <laughs> this passenger watched Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> twice in a row <laughs> on the flight. <laughs> was it you? <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't me. I, I, unfortunately, it wasn't me, but I will say I was very happy that Delta did get Mrs. Doubtfire back on their uh, movie huge. selection because they lost it for a couple of years there, and... Uh, Great to have it back. <laughs> Even for me to watch it twice on one trip is tough. <laughs> I'll probably do it. <laughs> it's a long enough place. Oh, no, right. We actually got oh, that boy. in our contract with the athletic. <laughs> Delta has to get no dunks. Or no dunks. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, man. All right. Let's, uh, let's get back to the questions here. Great intermission there, talking DJs <laughs> with Lily. All right. Next question here, guys. Burning questions uh, as we preview the upcoming season. What was the best under the radar off season move? Uh, it's got to be Delta getting Mrs. Delta. <laughs> <laughs> what a pickup! <laughs> they must listen to the feature. show. They've got to listen to the show, don't they? they Someone how can Delta's we win like, the off season? Yeah. Uh, my for real answer: JJ Redick going to the New Orleans Pelicans. Okay. The guy's never missed the playoffs in his career. Thirteen years. Do you just sign him hoping that guarantees you getting to the playoffs? Maybe it'll work. I don't think anybody would guess that J.J. Redick averaged 18 points per game last season, shot 44% from the field, 39 from three. He might not start for the Pelicans. I can see him coming off the bench, but I think he'll be closing games for Lonzo. I think it'll be Drew Holiday handling the ball, shifting over into kind of full-time point guard for crunch time with J.J. spreading the court around Zion and probably Ingram and probably Favors as well. Um, so I just think he's such a, a valuable veteran player he was he was a, an emotional leader for the Sixers a guy that they loved having around and he does exactly what you need around the players that they have he gives them shooting he gives them a little bit of toughness he knows how to play in big games and he's been around forever so I thought getting JJ Redick was a smart move by David Griffin that was a great Griff move mm-hmm. there for sure that's a good one what you guys got uh, I'll jump in we mentioned him earlier Kyle Korver on the Bucks he went to a couple finals playoff talk just like JJ Redick he, this is his opportunity to win an NBA championship because he went to a couple finals with the Cleveland Cavaliers didn't work out all the way there. Sometimes he got played off the floor a little bit, but I think with the Bucks, he's going to be there in crunch time. He's going to be on the floor. Maybe it'll be a little offense defense and he goes off the floor, but I think people forget that Kyle Korver is six, six. He's a very, very big guy. He does take up space on the defensive end. He's not a bad defensive player. Um, but he can get burned, sort of like J.J. Redick mm-hmm, to, uh, mm-hmm. to a degree. But He throws his body on the line, though. Yeah, he does. He's, he's not bad at all. He, he does everything he can. But with Brogdon gone, I mentioned earlier, Giannis Middleton and Brooke are probably the only three guys that are guaranteed to be on the floor. Bledsoe fades in and out. Hill, Mir- Hill um, Matthews. I think Corver will find a spot there, and this is his mm-hmm. chance to ding some shots home because he, he's, he's missed. He swung and missed a couple times. Like that one shot in the corner what was that game three against the mm-hmm. Golden State Warriors yep. the first time. KD won it in 2018. He missed that shot. Could have changed the entire series. Uh, this is his chance, and uh, I think he'll be out there. Okay. Lee? I like uh, Bojan Bogdanovic to the Utah Jazz. Four years, $73 million. Uh, I think that's a very, very smart move from them because it gives them another guy at the end of games who can put the ball in his hands and take a shot. Now, they've got, got the guys like Mitchell and Mike Conley, of course, but I think 
having Bojan out there is just another guy that you have to watch. I think defensively, he's okay. He had a very, very good season last year with the uh, Indiana Pacers, and he's just one of those guys you kind of forget about. But I think um, the Jazz last season, very strong season, awful in the playoffs, went out and made a couple of really nice uh, well, they adjustments. Couldn't, yeah, they and, couldn't score. Exactly. They yeah, could and, not and, score in the playoffs. And he's a tor- he, was, he was basically the Pacers, their go-to guy in the, in the playoffs. Now, they were missing Oladipo and they got swept. Yeah. But the you don't want him that, to be your go-to guy. No, but you but, want you want him out on the floor yes, so that yeah. you can't you can't uh, double up on guys like Conley yeah. or Donovan Mitchell. Or if you do and you leave him open, he's going to be there. He's only twenty nine, I believe. So, you know, uh, just a, a very good player, another solid addition uh, for the Jazz. And I think uh, you know they really retooled very nicely in this offseason. Those are all good picks. I'm going to go with the Clippers uh, snagging Mo Harkless as an hmm. under the radar offseason move. I mean, they they absorbed. Mo Harkless into their cap space uh, early in the summer because it was a part of that four-team trade um, that was going on, and they got a first-round pick for their trouble as well. And he's entering the final year of his like four-year, forty-two million-dollar contract that he signed with Portland back in sixteen. I just like you know he he he's not an all-around great player, but he's good at defense, and he helped the Blazers uh, in that regard. So. That's good. That's what the Clippers need. They're going to be an awesome defensive team with Patrick Beverly and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But will he be there in crunch time? Maybe not playing a ton, but my, my worry is you got Paul George already missing time. You know Kawhi's going to have load management. Well, I think Harkless will be able to, you know, you'll be able to like sort of like plug him in there where needed to give them some defensive insurance, especially, you know, like if he's coming off the bench, which he will be eventually, with Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, those guys are offensive minded. Like, that's fine. Those guys go get buckets. You need some defense. Pair some defense with them, and I think that's what Mo Harkless does, especially for how they got him, literally, basically mm-hmm. for nothing. Um, they just added him to their team. Um, so I like that little, as a little under-the-radar move, because when you're talking the Clippers, you're talking, oh, my God, they got Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that's incredible. But they got him as well, so not bad. They're scary deep. Yeah. They, they're they're yeah. really, really deep. And Are, we'll get to uh, Clippers or Lakers, who's the best team out of L.A. in mm-hmm. preview number three. Yeah, that's right. All right. I think it's the Clippers. Ooh, hey, come oh, on. Don't worry about getting to preview right, number three. Spoiler, bro. Right well, I'm not <laughs> even going to do the show Mo, now. You just sold me, man. Mo Harkless. Okay. Makes him the best team in L.A. All right, next one. Fun one. Which player needs a nickname? We do this every year. Try and pick a player and, and come up with a nickname or at least, you know, Throw one out there or ask for suggestions, whatever. Who do you want to go? Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. I've got a guy who's going to be pushing for all-star selection soon in his career, if not this season, but he's just a two-name guy, Jason Tatum. Hmm. If you go go to basketball reference, he's got two two nicknames, J, just as in one letter, (laughs) or Taco J. I've never heard him called Taco J. Yeah, he's Taco J. He's got some Twitter followers. They'll definitely call him Taco Mm. J. Okay. Uh, How does LeBron feel about that? Yeah. How does Taco Trey Kirby feel about that? Or that. I'm 100% in on it. I actually, my nickname is his teammate, Jalen Brown, because Jason and Jalen, it's a little bit confusing, and I Mm. knew about Taco J, so one of them needs the nickname. And there's this guy in the NFL who goes by Hollywood Brown. I'm like, that's an incredible name. Oh, that's good. So nickname plus Brown, I think, sounds good. So I'm like, okay, what are we going to try? Third Eye Brown? He's really in. <laughs> He's very much into yoga, but then I said it out loud, and it's not a great nickname, no. Third Eye Brown. So I moved on to Wellbeing Brown. That works. Not very catchy, though. So no. I settled on Marietta Brown. The guy's from Marietta, Georgia. Marietta Brown sounds oh. cool, like an investigator, maybe. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily the nickname style he wants, but I think there's something there. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a nice female name, Marietta Brown. Sure. Um, 
my guy is DeJounte Murray of the San Antonio Spurs. Because I think he's a, guy, he's a really good player. He kind of flies under the radar. He was injured all last year. And DeJounte could easily just be called Dijon for a nickname. <laughs> uh, because he is a bit of a hot dog out there. He's, he's, he's a bit spicy. And uh, I want him to bounce back with a vengeance into his, uh, his bounce back year. Um, I just, it's also a name that people look at and maybe don't pronounce correctly. Mm-hmm. D-E-J-O-U-N-T-E. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe the mustard man sounds good. (laughs) The mustard man. Did you have a uh, Did you have a suggestion by the way, Lee, for for Tatum? Mm, Not really. That's the problem. Okay, it's a tough one because JT. You can't go with JT. That's too common. What about two name Tatum? He's a two name guy. (laughs) Two name Tatum. Two name Tatum. Uh, Well, I've said before (laughs) the uh, the open floor guys call. Tatum like twelve time, twelve time Tatum uh-huh. because of like the the joke that he's gonna make twelve All Star games, uh, or maybe not a joke. Who knows? Um, first, with the nicknames, I'm happy Joe Johnson is back in our life. Oh yeah, the Armadillo Cowboy is back, um, so that's great. But the person, the player, I guess I'm going with that needs a nickname, and I don't have one, so I'm open for suggestions. Uh, Canadian Nikhil Alexander Walker. He's, oh. it you know that's a long name. That's a there's a whole lot of names there. Yeah. Uh, so. And and he's good, and I actually think he's going to be a pretty solid player. And he's playing well. He's 17th pick, and I think he's surprising some people right now. Um, he's a big sort of point guard, like his cousin Shea Gilders Alexander. Yeah, everybody in Canada's got the super long names now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zion has been quoted as saying Nikhil is a bucket. So I don't know if there's something there. Um, Gentry has talked about how he's a really confident player, confident bordering on cockiness, is what Gentry said about uh, NAW. And then like that's the thing, NAW. Do we just go, nah? Do we just call him nah? nah? Um, or is there, because it's N-E-W, is there some sort of weird N-W-A angle? So is he, do we go straight out of Canada instead of straight out of Compton? Or do we just call him Easy? Uh, with a little shout out to Easy e from N-W-A. Do we call him Dope Man? There's a song. I mean, there's something maybe there, but that's, it's a little clunky. But he needs a nickname. But maybe it's just straight up nah. I don't know. I mean, you know, the initials is... <laughs> It's a little too easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell nah, I don't know. Yeah, MC nah instead of MC Ren. There's something. Long name nah. Long name nah. Long name nah. <laughs> long name nah. <laughs> I don't think that's going to stick. Here comes long name. Well, what about... Long name nah. He did, he did go viral for his rendition yeah. of uh, Vanessa Carlton's A Thousand Miles during, like, they did, like, the karaoke contest yeah. for the rookies. Yeah, maybe there's something there. I don't know. A thousand miles, a thousand letters in his name. I don't know. There's a thousand kilometers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Trying, you know, yeah. yeah know. He needs one, is what I'm getting at here. Sounds like <laughs> it. He definitely needs one. All right. Our final question here for part two. What's going to be this season's biggest fashion trend? Trey, you got to start us off. You this year's all, all about neon hair colors. Mmm. I don't know who it's going to be. My two guesses would be Kelly Oubre and Kyle Kuzma. Somebody's coming to the arena, playing some games with pink hair, green hair, something extreme. The Dennis Rodman 30 for 30 came out over the summer. There were there's like a montage of all of these different hairstyles that he had, all the crazy uh, different uh, designs he would have along with the colors back in the, the end of the Spurs era, into the Bulls era. 
90s, 2000s fashion is very popular right now. Somebody's going to take the plunge and come to the game with a crazy extreme hair color. Rather, I mean, we saw George Hill have like platinum blonde a couple of seasons ago. That was a step in the right direction. This year, we're going crazy. Okay. That's I. That's probably going to happen. You're setting, yeah. you're, you're setting a great scene there. All right, what about mm. you guys? Well, uh, one of the biggest fashion uh, losses for this season, we should put it in memoriam, is the uh, Kung Fu headband. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Well, what up with that? What is, I know. What the Everyone hell is loves the problem? What the, exactly. What's the problem with it? Just because... Yeah. It, I don't, like, it's what is dangly, it? It's maybe. I don't know. Or, like, we got to get them, like, a fish... Weren't they... Didn't yeah, they I already have that... Nike things on them, I thought, half the time? It seemed... Exactly. Half the time is what it seemed like. Yeah. It seemed like they're probably waiting to figure out the way to get the official tie-on yeah. headband of the NBA. And then once we get that, you're flying. Yeah, back. they're going to yeah. come back. That's, that's right. Hopefully. Hopefully. Because they're, they're so cool. They are. You think you could rock you one? Wistful sure, right now. Yeah. Man. You're like gazing off into the distance <laughs> thinking about these things. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I'll wear one. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know what? I don't know if this is actually technically allowed, but I saw it at Media Day when Trey and I were down here with the Atlanta Hawks. Evan Turner brought back the name and number uh, sweatband on his yeah, on did. his elbow. Oh. Because they were kind of banned by David Stern. But, you know... Like, when they're not offensive, maybe people will just start bringing them back in, you know? Okay. Like, remember... offensive sweatpants, yeah. Well, well, I mean, like, the answer when he had yeah, Alan exactly. So, I wonder if... Yeah. Um, I wonder if someone will just sort of try that again this season, slip it back in... Right. ...before anyone notices, and before we know it, then everyone's going to be having their uh, name or their nickname or whatever it is, because mm-hmm. they're cool, too. They're cool. Embroidered wristbands. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think cool. we need them back. Okay. Tess? So, where are you going? Uh, James Harden inspired my answer. He said, uh, now with Russell Westbrook on his team in Houston, it's going to be like a fashion show every night. Yeah. Totally. Him, those two, PJ Tucker, Austin Rivers will get in on it. Uh, even Nene will get in on it. <laughs> I'm, Nene's had a lot of shout outs so far. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if we get to 10 shout outs, though, he gets paid a whole bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he did say it's going to be like a fashion show every night. So. I think the trend is going to be guys walking in on red carpets into Ooh. arenas. There's going to be they're going to make it a whole show, two people rolling out that red carpet as the guys just start walking on it and you know shashang a little bit, sashaying a little bit, doing their thing on the red carpet. I think that that's that's what's going to happen. Okay. The Rockets will start that. It'll become a thing. Entrances even more extreme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to go with this. The the summer of 2019 in regards to the NBA, was all about duos, right? We all have these duos on all these teams now, which is making this season look very exciting because it feels like there's seven, eight, nine, whatever, how many teams that could maybe win this thing um, because of all these awesome duos that have paired up and ones that exist and so on. So I think we got to take that and extend it into the into the fashion world with these guys. I think what I'm getting at is we're going to see duo costumes, start showing up you you mentioned Harden and Westbrook there that's interesting um Tass because yeah you would think like they're trying to maybe one up each other with what they're wearing and getting the clicks and stuff like that but maybe they're if they're if they're such bros maybe they come up with duo costumes and like I don't even know what that even means like if they're both like one of the one guys like they both have suits but like hey you wear the pants and I'll wear, I'll wear the jacket top, and then I'll do the same with yours. That'd be pretty cool. That, I can't remember that yeah. having ever been done. That would be, you know, that would be new. Um, but maybe it's just even with around Halloween coming up, maybe it's just more like, 
maybe it is the the classic you know you're salt on pepper or you're the hot dog and i'm the hamburger or whatever or ketchup and spy mustard. versus yeah. spy you guys wear the exact same yes. outfit that one of them wears all black one of them wears all white yeah yeah so there's something here Some something to do yeah and, and i look i called uh, a couple years ago i called turtlenecks don't forget that. That's my greatest <laughs> prediction of all time. I said turtlenecks were going to be big, and then suddenly everybody was showing up in turtlenecks. So I think we're going to see some duo costumes, uh, and they'll get creative with how they roll those out. But let's hear from you guys. Jump on Twitter. Hashtag no dunks. Biggest fashion trend. Who needs a nickname? And all of the actual real NBA questions that we were talking about previewing the upcoming season. That's it for part two. We'll call it there. Follow us on social media at no dunks Inc. You can email us at nodunksattheathletic.com. Smash, guys, smash that follow slash subscribe button wherever you listen to the No Dunks podcast. If you listen on Apple, do us a solid. Leave us that five-star rating. Leave us a review. Helps others find the show and listen to it. And that's what this is all about, talking ball. That's it for part two, though. We will see you guys on Wednesday. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Preview three coming up. Who's the best team in L.A.? Great question. Uh, Skeets, you just said it best. I think that's going to be my quote. Thanks for joining us. And remember, that's what it's all about. Talking ball. (laughs) Brace the day, people.